Hello and welcome back to a Just Like What, a very, very special episode. A very, very special sequence of episodes. We're going to go deep. We're going deep, diving in. We're going <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker, we are coming for you. We are splunking into SJP. We're splunking so deep. No man has been before. <laughs> Welcome back to and just like what? This episode we're doing a special deep dive into the life, history, and um, career of Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, and we're talk about who she is. Um, Growing up, um, before Sex in the City, during Sex in the City, after Sex in the City, um, her tirades with Kim Cattrall, um, and yeah, we're, and then like dr- brush on um, the series as a whole. So it's like going to be a big deep dive across um, an icon spanning over thirty years in her career now. Congratulations. So let's get into Sarah Jessica Parker, an actress, producer, fashion, shoe designer, wine connoisseur, and now recently a book, a book publisher. Um, do you want to talk about her growing up? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into her child star um, upbringing. So she's quite interesting. So um, SJP obviously done a lot of interviews in her long career. Um, and she's not she's not a wallflower. She does go all out when she describes stuff. So um, we actually found one article when she describes her childhood as Dickensian, um, which for those of you who don't know, it's like based on Charles Dickens and like his writing of poverty in like Victorian Britain. Um, so <laughs> she apparently says her upbringing was very Dickensian. She just consistently talks about not thinking of herself as this beautiful actress who fits this Hollywood mold. And then I guess at the time, like, that would make sense because she always, even in Sex and the City, where she, like, points to her nose in, like, season one. We should just admit that we live in a culture that promotes impossible standards of beauty. Yeah, except men think they're possible. Yeah. I just know no matter how good I feel about myself, if I see Christy Turlington, I just want to give up. Well, I just want to tie her down and force feed her lard, but that's the difference between you and me. <laughs> what are you talking about? Look at you two. You're beautiful. Mm, I hate my thighs. Oh, come on. I can't even open a magazine without thinking thighs, thighs, thighs. Well, I'll take your thighs and raise you a chin. I'll take your chin and raise you a mm. And Because she, like, doesn't fit this conventional beauty standards. But I think she really did, like, in her, like, in the 80s and 90s when she was first coming up, she, like, is so gorgeous. Like, I'm actually kind of surprised that she, like, refers to herself being, like, quite odd-looking because she would always play these kind of, like, femme fatale characters when she first started coming up in Hollywood. Yeah, I'm, like, living out this fantasy. I always wanted to be just American, you know, American. Blonde, straight hair, blue eyes, like, perfect nose American. And I kind of live it out for about five minutes just I realized you just have to pay somebody to do this. <laughs> what color are you? Green? They're, um, okay. <laughs> they're they green. They're kind of, uh, Greenish? they fluctuate with my emotions. What was that word? Fluctuate. Oh, thank goodness. S-A-P word. <laughs> <laughs> S-A-P word. Now, what the prefix was there for a minute. Fluctuate. Uh, yeah. Huh? 
Yes. Uh, do you ever find that your looks are uh, a problem in your work? Um. I mean, because you said that I always, I always wanted, and I, I, I well, think I that comes from something. Well, I always sort of considered myself sort of odd-looking, and for years and years, you know, you'd see those women on television and film who were um, sort of fit more of the standard of Hollywood of what was beautiful, and I always felt a little bit odd, and I never sort of looked that way, and I've come to accept it, and uh, and 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 realize that you you can change for parts. I mean, you don't have to look one way or the other, and that the standards have changed considerably. It's no longer one specific way to look much more receptive to ethnicity and different sorts of looks and different colors of skin and, and different sized noses and things like that. And I think we've come a long way. What is your ethnic background? Um, much. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I think I have some, um, perhaps some, some Jewish blood in me, some American Indian blood, some German blood. Um, much. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but it's interesting to see like the standards of Hollywood. <laughs> she says, it's no longer one specific way to look. Much more, and uh, like Hollywood's much more receptive to ethnicity and different sorts of look and color skins and different sized noses. And I think we've come a long way, which this was like um, a interview from 98. So thinking about the context of that quote <laughs> like compared to day just feels a bit, like she was like breaking these barriers down just because she had like a big nose but she was like this really skinny beautiful like white woman so it's like kind of funny to like see it in context to today yeah like exactly she was focused on that one thing but actually everything else was getting her through she still had that privilege in terms of her looks like her body like no one had like that body like it's yeah. very like i think that's the reason she's got a lot of her roles like she's stunning it's weird that she compared herself to other people who can say that just because she had a kind of big nose. Yeah, and um, she's in this interview in the 90s and um, the interviewer's like, what's your ethnicity? And she's like, mutt, like a Mongol kind of dog. And then um, she's just like, ah! Uh, and just like, she, she literally just has been ca carry from day one. She's like this really like charismatic, over the top, like, like fun, loud character. Um, and then she describes her ethnicity as perhaps somewhat Jewish, um, somewhat American Indian with some German blood. So it's interesting, like her ethnic, like ethnic background is like very like vague and, and just like her whole childhood seems a bit, um, like it, just because she grew up so poor and like her like in later interviews her mum um says she regrets the way she was brought brought up because she wasn't given everything she needed and she was just saying she even went to bed sometimes hungry um but it's now to see her career has developed like so quickly um from being in like Annie on stage to being in Footloose her first like film in um 1985 um and then obviously they're like going into Sex and the City and having this massive, um, like universal cultural ph phenomenon. Um, yeah. So we um, get into like this beginnings of Sex and the City where um, Sarah Jessica's like career really started to uh, take off. Um, initially she was quite anxious about working on Sex and the City um, and she had even 
uh, suggested after she signed the contract she would do two films for free for HBO because um, she was so worried about how scandalous the show was going to be perceived. Um, yeah, so you can kind of see this with um, a Conan interview that she did quite early on, back in 98. Um, and <laughs> it's just just quite giggly. Um, it's on YouTube, but she's quite giggly and just quite unsure. And she doesn't seem to take it as serious as... Um, the more recent ones probably when it's um not the SJP that we're used to seeing like she's quite giggly she kind of avoids the question she's more not flirty but she's more just going back and forth about jokes um and there's even a comment within um the YouTube video which is quite funny uh someone's like said um that she's just so much more comfortable like she's really changed like <laughs> sex in the city really took it out of her Jessica Parker, ain't I lucky? And we have got to talk about uh, this show, Sex and the City. Yes, we have to. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I want to hear about this. It has sex in the title, so <laughs> tell me all about I it. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I just... Sorry, I'll behave. What? I thought you'd be just interested in the city part. <laughs> yeah, I love stuff about urban development. <laughs> Let's hear all about it. Boring, sex, fast forward. Uh, what's the show about? What happens in the show? Um... Right. It's about a... <laughs> you don't have to plug your, your... No, I want to. I'm really proud of the show, and it's one of the easier jobs to, to have to go and promote it, actually, to be honest. So I will tell you a little bit about the show. Okay. Um, it's about a, a, a woman who lives in New York City. She is a, a, col a columnist. Mm -hmm. um, she actually refers to herself as a, uh, a sexual anthropologist, which basically means that she writes articles about um, relationships and sex including her own. She writes about her own sex life. Her escapades. And sexcapades. <laughs> <laughs> well, I single. should be beaten, yeah. Um, now, uh, they're, they're advertising this thing. I've seen the advertisements for it. They have you on New York City buses stretched out all along the side of the bus. It's the pinnacle of my career. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, it's funny to hear her, like, seem quite, like, she seemed really like excited about the series, but knowing that she was so anxious about being on the show, it's interesting to see. Um, she's really like trying to. The show came out in the late nineties. There weren't. There was barely any like female-led TV series, and she really was like intellectualizing the show, which obviously it really it, it is like it has like big themes of. Um, feminism and what being single means, what um, life in your thirty means without children. Um, but it was it was like she it was really like exciting to see her like be so enthusiastic about the show when she was like so hesitant about being on Sex and the City. So it was actually kind of like interesting to see um, her really like take on the show and become and like eventually become like an executive producer as well yeah definitely like it's I mean you can when you watch the first series again you can see that even that was seen as quite cutting edge at the time but actually even now it's quite backwards the way that they kind of slut shame Samantha yeah. the way they talk about one night stands just generally like I everyone should watch the first series again because it's so backwards and I think we've seen generational divides with a lot of discourse that's going on at the moment um with people in that era that age and 
with us and even Gen Z below us, like everyone's got different kind of expectations and kind of tolerances to like stuff like sex, politics, like just major things that affect us. So it's quite interesting that she seemed a prince at first and then she kind of got into it. And I think it worked for her. Like maybe she was a prude, but this kind of opened her up a little bit because she's definitely the prudish, the most prudish out of all of them, I'd say. Yeah. From a, a character and seemingly real life point of view. Yeah, definitely. But like in earlier films, like L.A. Story, she like plays like Steve Martin's like uh, like love affair, and she. But it's always kind of in this like within this romantic comedy context, and like even okay. like the first Wives Club she is um like the second wife to one of the first wives and um but it always like is this like kind of romantic comedy and it was it's kind of do you think that's do you think that's more to do with her age versus her as like being a sex siren or do you think it is she was like sexy during that era yeah i think she definitely was like she played these like kind of femme fatale like fun kooky uh love interests and then it was interesting to see that she joined sex and the city when she was like in her like mid to early 30s and i think it must have been like a move she didn't really like anticipate for her career but it just seemed like a natural progression because she like kind of always played these like kind of one-dimensional characters and it was kind of interesting to see her now develop into Carrie Bradshaw, which is based on Candice Bushnell and has this like really rich character and backdrop for her to like develop her career and her acting props, I think. Okay, so like moving on to the series. Yeah. Um, so everybody spoke about how she didn't want to do it. She regretted the first season, um, but then she became executive producer so she could have more say. So did you notice like a difference between first series and second? I think maybe not so much in season two. Um, so I think after Darren Starr, who was the original showrunner, um, he left after, I think it's like after season three. And then season four, I think it still like felt like Sex and the City, but it slowly started becoming this romantic comedy like even in like the critic reviews of like season five and season six they like criticize that season six the characters had become like one-dimensional and um had lost the edge and i kind of i my impression is that she's kind of pushed this stepping away from this like show that she's supposed to be like innovative about sex and female empowerment and sexuality and moved it into this more uh one-dimensional romantic comedy trope because she was starting to age and was engaged, then got married, then later on had a kid during season five. And I think she wanted to have this like air of being this refined woman and mum. Because it's how like, um, th- like you said, they brought back Big and he wasn't meant to come back. Like he was meant to be done. Yeah, after season, I think it's after season three, um, Big was supposed to be completely written out and he was never going to be brought back. And then um, Michael Patrick King and Sarah Jessica decided to bring Big back and make the whole show basically revolve around these two like characters who were eventually meant to be together, but 
she couldn't be with him in the show, which is why the show kept going because they wanted to end and then being together. It kind of feels like that was the closest thing they could get to like monogamy for her yeah. without having to get rid of the sex um, part, well, that the dating part of it. Um, um, so whilst that was happening behind the scenes, um, SJP and Cynthia were instantly, like they instantly became friends after working together. We can definitely see that chemistry on screen. Um, and then also Kristen Davis was brought into the friendship group. So, I mean, that pretty much reflects what we know now about how they went with and just like that. Um, but obviously everyone knows this, but Kim Cattrall was just not part of the gang. She was excluded. It was a mean girls club, well, allegedly. Um, so she was um, probably closer to the original star, um, showrunner Darren Starr. Um, and I think she's still close to them now. I think they've she's discussed it in interviews like with Piers, ugh, Piers Morgan. <laughs> yeah, I think she felt that the tone of the series changed after Darren Starr had left and um, like her friend had like left the show and she was kind of left on her, her own. Um, yeah, so then the rumours of this split between um, Kim Cattrall and the other three actresses became came out after the series had wrapped in season six over like financial reasons. Um, Kim is quoted as saying, I felt after six years, it was time for all of us um, to participate in the financial windfall of Sex and the City. When they didn't seem keen on that, I thought it was time to move on. And it was like interesting to see that Sarah Jessica has always been this executive producer, even from season two. And none of the other actresses were like were ever brought on to be a producer or direct an episode which obviously does become which obviously happens in and just like that um it's weird it like it, it's it's strange they obviously it, i feel like it's so obvious that that was going to cause a, a rift between each of like actresses and now for like even now so just goes like it seems baffled that her and kim cattrall like felt like their friendship like fell apart and it was like well it was felt like it was always in the making because <laughs> you had so much more swing in the tv show rather than kim cattrall and samantha's character i think most people would say is probably like the strongest character and the most like interesting and funniest character yeah because i don't because i when i rewatched the series i did think that they did really make him like samantha's character a bit stupid sometimes they purposely tried to trip her mm. up but i think that kind of went against like that actually ended up with the audience just loving her and actually kim cattrall being such a good actress in that sense and just really styling it out and making it more funny than tragic but there is a few tragic moments that they've written in for samantha that none of the other characters really have in the first few series anyway and I do feel like oh, she just took it on the chin, really. Like, she just went with it. Like, Kerry would never put those kind of tragic storylines... Like, Sarah Jessica Parker would never put those kind of tragic storylines in for herself. Uh, like, it seemed kind of... I think uh, I remember this, like, it was an interview with Kim Cattrall and she was talking about the cancer storyline for uh, Samantha and she was she kind of pushed back on it initially because she just thought it was, like, a bit of, a, like, a pastiche of a plot line and didn't really serve much of a purpose. And like mm-hmm. that wouldn't that storyline wouldn't have been given to Carrie. Like it just wouldn't. Yeah. And it was really like Samantha like Samantha's character was like 
dealing with like a lot more heavier nuanced things where she was like she was obviously a lot older than the other characters by like 10 minutes like by 10 years so her adjusting like her being comfortable and like actually dating really toxic men um like richard and having to like navigate that in her like 40s and being quite vulnerable whereas like carrie was just always pinned back to big there was always like 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 safety blanket in big whereas like samantha was always constantly Mm -hmm. vulnerable and um yeah yeah definitely i feel like that they they kind of when samantha was gone they kind of put that treatment onto um miranda um they're not very good at sharing the load i think and i'm not sure if that's to do with sjp just being like ah because she doesn't really get any storylines i don't think well she does she gets like the really like long-term ones but she doesn't get like the little like day-to-day like oh crappy ones um but yeah so um also i think kim had 10 years on the girls professionally and personally so i don't know you kind of would think that she would have a bit more and she's also is she like from what do you call it when you're thespian like you're shakespeare but she's acted on stage and stuff like she's a stage actress and she's got that bit more of a a, an edge yeah she's I feel like she's um, a, like a lot more accomplished and had been in her career in film and TV a lot longer than all the other actresses. And she just like, whenever she's in, in interviews, she just seems a lot more calmer and is able to express like her disappointment with the Sex and City franchise and um, Sarah Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we... we went through uh, the Vogue interview that came out just before uh, and just like that came out. Um, and then Sarah Jessica's like met, um, <laughs> she's making the bed on the, and just like that set before the interview, he like comes to meet her and um, the interview, he's like friends with Andy Cohen. He's like, oh, that's such a Sarah Jessica thing to do. Like making sure everything's always perfect and you could obviously see that in the documentary of and just like that she was like really pernicative where each like piece would be in the wardrobe and exactly what things would be styled on Carrie um and then um you find out her son has just moved to college and like she's like now in her like she's 57 now and she's like far removed from the character of Carrie and um so it was like interesting to see her come back for uh and just like that it was like a really really nice quote from the Vogue article from Tyler Gevinson who described like sex and city as glamorous women in un- unglamorous situations um but obviously that doesn't apply to and just like that <laughs> Ooh, yeah <laughs> it's just um... yeah um they're just full glam. And the writer for the Vogue article, um, she was talking to Sarah Jessica about her like background and um, and then she was like, oh, I'm from Nepal. And then um, Sarah Jessica was like, oh, what's the food like? Like, let's go out for a meal. And it was like, just like cute that she interviewed this interview, like a writer she'd met once to go out for dinner. And like the next week she took her out for a meal and, um, so you, you really get a sense that she is 
everyone always consistently says says that Sarah Jessica is this like very caring, motherly kind of person. Um, but you consistently see this um, Kim Cattrall kind of undermines that kind of persona that she comes with. I found it like when there was a few instances that really went against other stories or interviews or like videos I'd watch. So like, for example, like Sarah Jessica doesn't ever forget anything about anyone. Like she always knows <laughs> everything about everyone. Like she knows like, um, like she's really good at remembering people and things. But then like when we watched the documentary like a few weeks ago, everyone just came, like a few people on set came up to her like, oh, do you remember this scene? Or do you remember this? And then I've seen a few articles, no, a few videos where like she's been asked if they remember this actor or this scenario. And she's just like point blank, like no. And she doesn't even say like, oh God, oh my God, no, I'm so sorry. Like I might have been ill that time. Yeah, or like yeah. you kind of like, kind of, <laughs> kind of had it out or kind of like, kind of bullshit a little bit. But she's just like, no, I'm sorry. I didn't remember that. I don't get that. So there was that. And then there was something else about her always being like, Sarah Jessica's on set from like the first one there. She's to the, the last first one person there. there I'm that's, sure. That's, yeah, she's the last person to leave. Yeah. And then I also remember in the documentary, I remember like, not, I don't think she was, like she was doing like the late night fittings and stuff. So I don't know. There was, there was a really interest. I think she's really good at looking prim and proper. Like she knows how to do the PR. Like taking that person out for now, please. It's lovely. I think that's really nice. And like, it is the point of being in New York is like the food and going out. But there is a few instances in that that I'm like, oh, like doing more research, like, oh, that kind of goes against what I've read or seen. Um, but everyone's full of contradictions. But I thought that was quite funny. Like, she never forgets anything. <laughs> yeah, she always has. She's always like battling these like two different sides of her, like personal and outward uh, persona which I find like so interesting. Like, I think that's why we all are so attracted to Sarah Jessica and like the same, much the same as Carrie. Carrie has all these massive character flaws, but we still root for her and like, we might find her really annoying, but there's a reason why we can't, we've, we've come back to the show for 20 years. And I really think Sarah Jessica like has so much of Carrie in her, even though if she, she doesn't think she does because she's married and has children, but she really has this like, dual personality where she seems really personable but can also be quite cold and like she's ever since she was younger she's always referenced she wanted to never have to worry about money and she's always had this ambition of being like successful and um yeah doing what she can just to be not be like financially um like not not being financially independent yeah, well, definitely, there's a few... Well, we're going to go on some blind items at the end of it, and we'll go on about how the money thing is a big thing, so we'll touch on <laughs> Just to explain blind items that people don't know, blind items are, like, people in, like, the industry or people who know said celebrities, like, basically just gossip. But blind items have, like, kind of blown up in the past, like, three years or something. And people just basically, like, submit stuff that like websites that are called like blinds um so if you ever hear us like referencing like blinds that's that's what it is because <laughs> mel would used to say to me she's yes. like have you read this blind about someone and i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> so like you can take it with a pinch of salt because sometimes it's just bullshit yeah. but then at times like you'll see a blind and then it'll be like it'll come true a few minutes later so it's quite interesting 
So yeah, we'll come to those in a little bit though, because we'll carry on into season one and how it was received. But did you want to do this? Yeah, so it was interesting. Season one, I think most people refer to season one and the earlier series as like the strongest series of Sex and the City. Um, but season one garnered like mixed reviews from TV critics. Um, it received like an average score of 52 of 100, which seems insane to like now. I definitely don't think season one would receive such a low rating. Um, in his review for the New York Times, uh, Karen Lucas described the series as slight, breezy, fresh and funny, um, while highlighting um, Sarah Jessica's performance. And then for People Weekly, Terry Kellyer praised um, Sarah again in her role, but was against the element of New York mixed with a theme of sex, which seems so weird now. Like how, like New York is like the sexiest city in the world. Like <laughs> why, <laughs> why was he against elements of New York mixed with a theme of sex? It just seems completely insane. And so, and yeah, you just like can see that the misogynistic undertones of all these reviews is like so prevalent because season one was so ambitious and really out there. Uh, gave the series a four star out of five rating, praising the ensemble performance by the cast, the realistic nature of the characters in the writing. And <laughs> um, for People Weekly, Terry Kalga wrote a positive review stating that the series is, is funnier in season two due to. Miranda's choice in men, which just seems very like odd. Um, and then he, uh, yeah, you can like from season one to season two. There's definitely like a cultural like switch. I think the show was like had gained this like really cult following, and I think people realized that they couldn't really undermine the show. Like by season three, the show had really like set this set itself up as this new cultural phenomenon and had like really cemented itself in the cultural zeitgeist. Um, but then, yeah, by season six, um, negative reviews started to come through. Uh, Phil Gallo again for Variety um, noted that this characters have turned one dimensional and single minded and that the overall quality had declined. And he deemed the series as a dull rehash of sex a casual sex maniac searching for prey, an annoying, frustrated single mother, and a perk divorcee trying to understand Judaism. <laughs> I think we, you can see the tone change drastically by season six. By this point, Sarah Jessica had become a mum. I think the rift between the women, like the three women and Kim Cattrall had like hit, a, hit quite like a, a wall. And I think it started becoming like quite obvious that the show couldn't keep um, going on, really. Okay, so um, now that the series is over, that there are rumbles of there not being a good relationship between Kim and um, Sarah Jessica Parker, um, I don't think it was really that common knowledge until like they actually started talking about it themselves, like straight out of the horse's mouth kind of thing. But there was still kind of like, back in the day, like you'd read magazines and be like, they just don't get on. And then when the first Sex in the City film was announced there was that kind of thing about Kim not really wanting to be involved and that was a bit of friction there um but there was like reports like where it will stem from like the telegraph said that the feud was more about money so like Sarah Jessica Parker's wage was bumped from by about 300,000 
dollars um, after season one when she became exec producer. So Kim Cattrall obviously was like, what the fuck? Um, so she asked for her wage to be matched up, but this was declined. I mean, that's a really chunky amount of money for like an exec producer role. So like the Sarah Jessica like never wanted to be like, f- like financially vulnerable. Like, yeah, you could definitely like understand her, the context of her like childhood being like quite like being very from a very poor background yeah definitely like um but like you said like a mom said like she she had all the stuff that she could have but it doesn't yeah, seem definitely. like she's like sharing i don't know if you knew that you're part of a really popular tv show you'd be like it's an ensemble cast surely i mean i would say sex and city was an ensemble cast but that doesn't really denote it um so um i'm Obviously, because this happened after season one on set, this apparently changed the dynamic of the actresses and how they kind of interacted. And then saw three women being annoyed with Kim asking for more money, which is really bizarre because surely they'd benefit. It's like being in a company and then being angry at the union like leaders for like getting you more money. Yeah, um, it seems like the like Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon have consistently sided with Sarah Jessica which is like evidenced in and just like that coming mm-hmm. back it definitely you can definitely it, the rift is so obvious between those three and Kim Cattrall yeah. which just seems really mean like yeah and like it even got as petty as to the point that crew members stated that they wouldn't even sit with her at meal times <laughs> and bearing in mind that these ladies are probably now in like their late 30s to like mid 40s it's just no 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 it's so petty. Ridiculous. Um, and then it gets even worse. So it wasn't even just on set. Um, during the 2004 Emmys, so this would have been around season five? Yeah, season... Yeah, season's pretty much the last season. Um, they it got to the point that um, the girls were on one table and Kim was at another. Um, but it's even better because she did win an Emmy and I don't think the others won an Emmy. Um, so <laughs> yeah, Kim Cattrall like won the Emmy, and the like Sarah Jessica, Cynthia Nixon, and Kristen Davis all sat on one table, and Kim Cattrall's like sat basically on the other side of the room. Then goes up to get her award, and it's the we- the video is so weird because you see them all like smiling, and they're all like, ah. and it's like, why is she sat on the other side of the room? Like that maybe Kim. The thing is, like when I see stuff like this, like do you think Kim Cattrall did something really really bad to? Um kind of warrant this hatred because it just sounds so petty um Mm. (laughs) it's like i don't know yeah um so apparently there was a quote so that did you want to say the quote yeah so um and like another report came out where sarah jessica said about her and kim honestly we are friends and i wish i saw more of kim she mentioned money and no one should vilify her for it so she's obviously referencing Kim Cattrall, like, asking for her wage to be matched. Um, and then, like, the, like, rumours kept, kept going around by this point that Kim and the girls just didn't match, like, didn't mesh. Um, then Kim said the show ended on season, na- on season six for financial reasons, um, which we've kind of always talked about. Um, the film was meant to come quicker. So it was, it was like, four years between season um, six ending and the first film coming out. And I think 
like it's well known that Sarah Jessica and like the entire cast were annoyed that Kim Cattrall like made this like the first film takes so long for it to come out after the show had wrapped that um, Kim Cattrall explained her dad had dementia and she's going through a very public divorce um, so it, she definitely like needed the time and like I think the film benefited of having this longer gap between the series mm-hmm. ending and the first film coming yeah, out yeah definitely um yeah, it definitely like made it more like interesting to see these women actually like a bit older as well and like Yeah. It's navig yeah. It's kind of that thing like they are chasing stability. So like when they did find the stability, realistically they weren't gonna have anything interesting or like good for a storyline for a good few years. So I think the four years did make a lot of sense. Like the Kim Cattrall, like I've obviously got the the stupid story again but the menopause story which i think they definitely hammed up but it was like it's a big thing for women like menopause is scary and really painful and a lot it's a big change um so i think that really allowed for that and then just like miranda and steve lol and then yeah just big changes can happen in four years which was good um it's quite interesting that she's still (laughs) like how you just said the quote about um no we're professional actresses we have our own professional lives like we both watched that Andy Cohen interview together and when Andy asked about um Samantha not coming back like SJP couldn't even reference Kim Cattrall's name like she was just like oh yeah like um the character still exists but she's just not in it and she just kept calling her she and just not so SJ I loved how the show handled Samantha's absence. And every time the text came through, I felt like the heart of Samantha came through. She had a lot of heart. How did you feel in the end about how you all handled that? You kept her alive. Yeah, well, I I think I, 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 I mean, I can take no credit to how we handled it, except that I got to sort of convey the messages since they're not spoken. But it is Michael Patrick, you know, Michael Patrick King, who is our showrunner and our head writer and his extraordinary group of amazingly talented writers. It was an idea because Samantha is not gone. The actress that played the role is no longer playing that role, but people aren't absent from your life when you don't want them to be, Uh you know? And I thought that in typical Michael Patrick fashion, he you know, threaded it through with grace and dignity and respect, yes. you know, and love and affection for that character. And I thought it it, it mimicked many friendships that, yeah. you know, challenge each other and struggle and want to remain connected in a way because it's too painful. She's distanced herself so much. You can tell, like, Sarah Jessica fucking hates Kate <laughs> Trail, but loves, she loves the character Samantha. Yeah, it's... That rivalry is still like it's, yeah, it's like I think it's become more obvious now that and just like that is like it's people still talk about it so much and yeah, it's obviously like quite like yeah, it's just sad to see. I bet she tried to replace um, Kim Cattrall as Samantha if she could get away with it, but I don't think the fans would even entertain the idea of it because of. I think it must yeah. be a shame because she Samantha is, is a great character. It is a bit going to be fair. So in June 2008, Marie Claire asked Cottrell about the rumour that she was holding out on making the first movie. Uh, in response, Kim, uh, like Cottrell said four years ago, I was going through a painful public divorce. The series is coming to end. My father was diagnosed with dementia. I felt it was time with my it was time to be with my real family. 
a year and a half ago when I was sent the script, I was ready and strong enough to revisit Samantha. In some ways, I'm glad we waited. The scripts and the experience of making the movie was the best possible reunion. So obviously, like, four years had, ha- like, gone between the show ending and the film coming out, and I think they obviously needed, like, personal and professional distance uh-huh. for... Yeah, it must be a lot. Kim Cattrall feeling comfortable enough to come back, like... Yeah, the thing is, when she talks about stuff in the public, she talks about it really well. Like, she's always just seems really legit with her answers. Um, yeah, whereas Sarah Jessica seems very chaotic in the way she says it and kind of comes across quite ma- manipulative. Like, when she's like, I wish me and Kim would hang out more. And that, like, that make like, just the way she says it makes it sound like Kim Cattrall is purposely not trying to see mm. her and like keeping this distance it's so like it's quite interesting as well because at this time they were trying to stoke the flame still like it wasn't like a well-known secret as it is now so like um so for example darren star he said like i think you have to draw a line between what's happening in the gossip columns and what's happening on set you can't create that kind of chemistry you when you do a series for so many years you can't fake it completely and that's that's a fair point like if someone told me that in 2008 I'd be like oh yeah that's a fair point maybe we're just reading too much into it but then I think they are just really good actresses and they just would put their differences aside to be friends on set yeah it's it's different there's a difference between having chemistry with someone and just not getting on you can have chemistry with someone you Mm -hmm. hate but like chemistry is so irrelevant to having like uh, a respectful friendship <laughs> yeah and I think they're both quite uh, when I say the word flirty so when you're like a flirty person you can just kind of like keep it jovial and kind of like ooh, like whatever and that I think is what he's kind of confusing with chemistry yeah they're kind of like two alphas yeah <laughs> like Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica like Kim Cattrall is known for uh, the mannequin and Sarah Jessica's known as kind of this like um fatale, irreverent, like woman. I think Kim Cattrall could have easily played Carrie, but I don't know if it's true the other way around. Mm, and yeah. I think yeah, Kim Cattrall just seen like has a more well rounded <laughs> sounds so mean, but Kim Cattrall just has a more well rounded career where she's played like different interesting characters like she played the president in like a series like three like four years ago during the trump era um yeah and but it's like i think it's just one of those things where it's like two alphas (laughs) like yeah it's really weird though so after that all comes out um during 2010 they're just like completely denying any beef like we love each other we're friends um, and that Kim Cattrall compares the whole conversation to a ball. So I wonder if they put their differences aside because the film. Just... I think for PR, this is you can see the PR machine pump in here. They're like, we need to really separate these rough rumors about you two not wanting to talk, not having dinner together. We have to separate that because the show is all about women coming together and being like. Like, people would dress up to go watch Sex and the City when the film came out as, like, one of the characters. And, like, like this beef that came out really... I think 
they kept it on the hush hush during the series because they didn't want it yeah. to tarnish the series while it was on air. But obviously, it had to come to fruition, like fruition, um, because you could, <laughs> she just didn't come for it and just, and just like that. And so there's this article from Daily Mail. It brought up Parker's L comments to Kim Cattrall, and she said, "I think Sarah is right. People want to believe that we get on. They have too much invested in the idea of two strong, successful women fi- fighting with each other. It makes for juicy gossip and copy." The truth of us being friends and getting along and happily doing our jobs together is nowhere near as newsworthy. I think Sarah's fantastic. She's a born leader and she guides the crew and the cast in a strong but gentle way. She and I are sick of this. It's exhausting to talk about and a real bore. So the PR machine is pumping so hard. But it's interesting that the this like duality of Sarah Jessica's personality is like shown so much in this quote uh, she's like she's a born leader she guides the crew and the cast in a strong but gentle way i think like that has like such a like a nuanced way of being like she can be a bitch but after like, a while she's fine kind of she, thing yeah <laughs> um yeah, yeah she definitely made her 300k in her pr yeah. kind of like <laughs> <laughs> i hope so so after sex and city free film didn't transpire i think a lot of the blame was pushed onto kim cattrall there was all these rumors that kim cattrall like wanted different shows to be produced under her to that was the only reason she would sign up for sex in the city three um and then when asked uh when she was in an interview with piers morgan um cattrall said uh she she doesn't want to do sex in the city she didn't want to do the sex in city movie and that she was never really friends with um, any of her Sex and City co-stars, which seems really shocking that she wasn't friends with any of them. And then um, when asked by Piers if there'll be if there will ever be more Sex and the City, Cottrell said, "Not for me. That was part of turning sixty. That was a very clear moment of how many years do I have left, and what do I want to do with it? What haven't I done? I felt that the show was the best when it was the series, and the bonus was the two movies." I think she's right. I think you get, you do count your kind of eras and what you want to do by how old you turn. And I feel like that it's, it's done. Like, it's just, I mean, it's been dragged out for a long time. As much as we love it, it's, I do understand why she would put her foot down. As a creative, as a creative and an artist, you do want to go out on a high. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I think that then two years later, um, when Parker's like with Andy Cohen um, and she's talking about the Piers Morgan interview, she said she felt heartbroken and Parker said, the whole week I was really, I found it very upsetting because that's not the way I recall our experience. And her, I think Sarah Jessica Parker, like you can, you always just see this like to like, yeah, she's definitely this alpha, very, established actress has done incredibly well for herself coming from nowhere and I think she probably was more oblivious to how she was acting rather than like intentionally pushing Kim out but by becoming the executive Mm -hmm. producer you should have Mm -hmm. um you should have your other actresses um you should want to keep them happy basically 
Yeah, and especially since there was a quote also from that interview with Piers Morgan, she's like, I think she could have been nicer. I really think she could have been nicer. I don't know what her issue is. And that just screams a bit like you are someone in power and you're a, a woman direct, like kind of in charge of other women yeah. on set. Like there should be a bit of empathy, yeah. potentially, alle- allegedly. I think that must be just the way, like it must have, the 90s and noughties was such a different time for... Mm-hmm. Like Harvey Weinstein was the biggest producer in Hollywood, and I think a lot of women in industry at that point felt like they had to act like this alpha kind of male and like really just go like balls like <laughs> guns blazing, and yeah, not really, mm-hmm. yeah, not really appreciating that they have a really strong influence on how women can be treated but I think that now has been answered with an interest like that where all the three actresses are now producers yeah it was definitely peak white feminism and like girl boss feminism that plagued us from like the early noughties like the like literally like six seven years ago well still a bit now but she definitely has that girl boss what is it girl boss energy um don't girl boss too close to the sun I think she does get a little close to the sun. What really cemented the end of this friendship is when um, Cottrell had like posted a picture of her um, brother who'd like gone missing and turned out to be dead. Um, under the under the post, um, Sarah Jessica commented, "Dearest Kim, my love and condolences to you and yours, and Godspeed to your Lord, uh, your beloved brother." She always ends her Instagram captions and everything with kiss, like an ex, like. Um, capital X. I'm I like, do that. It's horrible. <laughs> I love it though. I love it in an ironic way, like on our on our Instagram, and just like what I always do a big kiss at the end of it to reference her. It's just like, like it's some it's something seems like kind of passive aggressive, which really like yeah encapsulates Sarah Jessica. She kind of seems quite passive aggressive. But I, I kind of just get the impression she's oblivious. Like she is just this really neurotic, eccentric woman who she is yeah. Carrie. To me, she's just Carrie. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't act. She just goes on to set yeah. and wears the clothes. And then in response to the comment, uh, Cattrall posted, she like posted this, like, I think everyone knows the post where the post <laughs> is still there as well. Um, we'll we can like link it into the, in the uh, episode description. Um, Cottrell posted the Instagram slamming um, Sarah Jessica saying um, she's explo- she's exploiting her brother's death. Um, in the caption she wrote, my mum asked me today, when will that Sarah Jessica Parker, that hypocrite, leave you alone? Your continuous reaching out <laughs> is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me this- make this very clear, if I haven't already. You are not my family and you are not my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last time, to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. And oh, this blew oh, the internet up. Like, <laughs> this really cemented the end of the friendship, I think. But weirdly, weirdly, I think Sarah Jessica like still kind of had hope even after this, even like within just like that. I think there was an undercurrent where she kind of hoped that Cottrell would come back. But yeah. Well, you know, that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, consistently, even after 
the Instagram post, Parker, like uh, Sarah Jessica held this nice girl persona. She's like, I just like to remind everyone there is no cut fight. Um, I have never uttered an unkind, unsupportive, unfriendly word. So I would love to uh, redefine it. I also want to remind everybody that there were four women on the set and I spent equal time with all of them. So this was not a set with two women who didn't get along. I've always held Kim's work in high regard and always uh, always appreciative of her contributions. If she chooses not to do the third film, there's not a lot I can do to change her mind and we must respect her. That's the only thing I've ever said about it. You know? <laughs> so, so passive-aggressive, like... Yeah, at least, like, add some... At least when, like, Kim Cattrall's confrontational about her, like, she adds some spice and a bit of pizzazz and some tea. But with Sarah Jessica Parker, she's like, I did nothing. Oh, no. Blah. No. It's just a bit blah. She's blah. Um, oh my god, no, I'm going to stop saying it now. <laughs> um, okay, so shall we give these ladies any more airtime? Should we give these white women any more airtime? No. But, yeah, after <laughs> after all these, like, after all these, like, big, like, Kim Cattrall really, st- like, moving away from the franchise and Sarah Jessica. It was really funny, this is when Kim Kardashian was quoted as saying Sarah Jessica is one of the nicest person I've ever met. And again, there's like, there's like this two like weird personas that Sarah Jessica has. And I think like now it just, yeah, I think it, you everyone is very aware that Sarah Jessica is this like alpha actress and like she really calls the shots. She brought, she brought the show back there wouldn't be a show basic without Sarah Jessica she's a household name she is a shoe designer she has like a she, she's a, <laughs> like, a, like a, a house name like she really has like shaped New York in the 21st like she's like shaped the culture of New York basically yeah, she's the face of New York like she's yeah she's changed the cultural zeitgeist forever She's at the Statue of Liberty, but with a bigger nose. Yeah. <laughs> and a skinnier bob. <laughs> um, okay. Um, shall I go over any blinds between them, or is it not worth it? Uh, so there's this uh, like very popular podcast called The Bradshaw Boys, which is three men who review Sex and the City. For the, like none of them have watched it, so they're all reviewing it for the first time of, as they watch it. Um, they basically just go through each episode and review it and and then they were gonna review Sarah Jessica's like new wine um uh SJP times in vino um then she comments she sees the post that they're gonna review it and she comments on their Instagram basically just like I want to be on the podcast so she's like it's the interview's really funny she's like in a taxi in New York and her like phone's kind of cutting out and she's like what did you say and they ask her if she's Team Big or Team Aiden? We have a question from all of our, our listeners and fans. Oh. Are, are you, not Carrie, but is Sarah Jessica Parker Team Aiden or Team Big? And why? And why? Oh, wow. We realize we're putting you on the spot. As you, as you can imagine, this puts me in a terrible position. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, here's a, I mean, the, there's a very quick and simple answer. And that's, of course, that 
you have to be Team Big or Team John, I guess, only because you can't tell a story that long and not in the most conventional way kind of root for that ending. Um, and I love Chris Note so much, and it felt wonderfully um, and skillfully written by Michael Patrick. But I love John Corbett so much, and I loved Aiden. I loved his Aiden. And um, it was, you know, it was the best of both worlds that is in fact having your cake and eating it too. So I feel like I got, I got both teams. You know, ultimately, <laughs> I, I, you know, Carrie, Carrie should have ended up with Big, but it was a delight to, um, to mess around before she arrived at that. That is. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. No, we, I think we're all just we, stunned. We were all just stunned, just <laughs> waiting on David Brett. And you really see Sarah Jessica's like executive producer cap here, where she knew her and Mr. Big were going to end together. Um, and so the series is based on um, the columns by, uh, and book by Candice Bushnell, um, who was the original Carrie Bradshaw, and she never wanted the series to end with Big and Carrie, because in real life, um, Candice Bushnell's, like, Mr. Big, they, like, their relationship, like, ended, and, like, she's happy to be this, like, like single woman, and now in her um, 60s, and yeah, it was, yeah, the show was supposed to end on this like really high feminist point where Carrie was single and fabulous, exclamation point. Do you think she was single and fabulous, exclamation point? Oh, sorry, was it, I think she meant Carrie. Do you think Carrie did end up single and fabulous? Who knows? It seems like, like, I think the show should have ended with her not being with Big. And now there's something mm. a bit tragic within just like that coming back because they obviously had to kill Big and like the whole first series just has this like over like the whole series is just like haunted by the ghost of Mr. Big and the show should have ended her being single and or like or just yeah dating like casually and bringing back the series when the series ended on this such romantic comedy kind of like airy fairy shit to come back and kill Mr. Big was such a uh, it was changed the atmosphere of the entire show um, mm -hmm. I think that was definitely a bad move on their part but yeah yeah I agree um okay so kind of moving on to a few more little bits of random gossip now because we've shot the shit about the series and the films so like the big arc is pretty much based on um the, the reboot so how we just spoke about the timeline of the reboot like um, sorry the films if more specifically the third film like a lot <laughs> pretty much all the blinds from the past since like october 2017 are like how like for example like how amazing is it like how good of a pr team hold on let me so most of the blinds mostly starting from october 2017 pretty much say that it's the third movie wasn't being parked because of kim cattrall has been parked because of 
Sarah Jessica Parker's big demands, money-wise. So, like, when it finally got confirmed that it wasn't going ahead, then there's a then there was a blind from early 2018, which pretty much says like um, Kim Cattrall could have thrown um, SJP into the bus and said that um, it's not her fault. It's because the it's because of the the SJP wanting loads and loads of money. And so, like, I kept scrolling through. Um, and it's pretty much all the blinds until then. That's pretty much about Cashola. And then it gets to, like, um, December... Um, December 2021, 2021. And it says that um, SJP was apparently getting paid or asking for ten times the amount being offered to the other leads, minus the one who the three-named actress once killed off in the show. Oh, my God. So, blind items usually... So, like, that's so much money, and it's quite interesting um, that she wanted her killed. And also that she gets away with it. Like, Kim Cattrall was fighting for um, Cynthia and Kristen's rights, and they still happily would take a tenth of what SJP is making. That's crazy. And they were producers at this point, so this was actually about and just like that. So it's not even a case of, like, oh, she can do it because she's a producer. I mean, she's a higher-up producer than they are. But that's still mad that she's got 10 times the amount offered to the other leads. Um, I wonder what the pe- the women of colour were being paid if they're getting paid a tenth of what she is. God. Absolute madness. Um, so yeah, and the most recent one with Kim Cattrall was um, that she loved not having her former co-star there to steal the scenes and get all the laugh lines. She liked being the biggest star in the reboot and acted like she wants no part of her longtime former co-star coming back. I mean, and we've kind of seen that with the Andy Cohen interviews. Yeah. Like, she's very much happy. Yeah, I um, think she she hadn't really acknowledged that she didn't want Kim Cattrall back, but after season one of and just like that she's come out now and been like there's been too much said in the press i can't see how kim could come back yeah definitely um i get i I think it's good that they've drawn a line underneath it like and just that that can exist as a different art form now that it's gonna go into its second season will yeah and like talking about and then just like that like candice bushnell the original Carrie said, of course, I'm going to watch and just say that. And I hope it runs six seasons and I get paid a bit of money. But I actually don't <laughs> know if she's re- like received any money because they purposely said Sex and the City, like, and just say that is not, and Sex and the City is an entirely different show. And like, are they doing that so they can step away from Sex and the City and not have to? financially benefit Candice Bushnell. That's interesting, because I know that if you rename it, but then surely she has IP of, like, Carrie, um, Miranda, yeah. Charlotte. I don't know, maybe she signed, maybe she signed her rights away. But, um... Oh, my God. Yeah. But just, like, looking back as Sarah Jessica as a whole, like, she was in a long-term relationship with Robert Downey Jr. in, like, the early 90s. Um... And they broke up because he had like a really bad drug like abuse and she like said she wasn't used to like being in a situation like that and um she talked about robert down robert downing she said uh the relationship taught her to be a good parent um she said it taught me how i love and what's the difference between loving and taking care of people and what's necessary and what grown-ups should and shouldn't do for one another 
and then like Robert Downey Jr. still to this day like talks really highly of Sarah Jessica um, and really like appreciates her um, so yeah there's, there's constantly throughout like this episode I think we've kind of seen like people speaking super highly of Sarah Jessica and like obviously her work ethic and um, but also like rubbing against all these allegations where she really excluded Kim Cattrall and was always financially wanting to make the most out of the series and out of the show and like that's obviously prevalent and and just like that um and just like like when um the Kristoff allegations came out like all the women came together and I I just find it hard to believe that Kristoff had all these allegations against him for so long and for mm-hmm. the for them to not really register the allegations I think a lot of people yeah. have like sus- like suspicions that they were aware Chris Noff had these allegations against him and that's why he was killed off from and then just like that um, but the message said we support the women who have come forward and shared their painful experiences we know it must be a very difficult thing to do and we can commend them uh, commend them for it and and just like that really wants to come to like, recontextualize sex in the city and i think sarah mm-hmm. jessica really wants to recontextualize her like p- public image where she, she wants to elevate the other actresses as becoming producers she wants to have a more diverse um script writers and and like ensemble cast um which is great but yeah there's yeah there's you just feel this like nagging feeling where it feels like she's a bit insincere mm-hmm. and you, even though you really don't want her to be um But what what are your like final thoughts, uh, Mel? Is um, Sarah Jessica a good a good a good bitch or a bad bitch, or are you kind of in the middle? Or what do you think? So I think she's iconic. Obviously, she's iconic because she's Carrie Bradshaw, and I feel like I love watching her. Like I think she's a really good comedic actress, and she's Carrie. Like you can't. I don't think anyone else could play Carrie, and a. I think she really brings the character to life. But I just think the money's a bit sad. Like, if she could just, like, put her money where her mouth is kind of thing and kind of share. Because, like, the other ladies are just still iconic. And maybe if, like, maybe the writers aren't being paid enough. That's why the story's sometimes a bit shit. Um, 
yeah, I just think I think people. <laughs> I'm acting like I've done budgeting for shows before. <laughs> Never have. I don't understand how it works. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think the, I think it's a shame that Hollywood doesn't allow women to speak out about their onset experiences. That there has to be some massive PR machine behind it. So like, we had to like build this massive thing up between Kim and SJP. Um, when actually maybe it was just really up and down. Um, but yeah, she's not fully rotted, but I do think she's a bit. Just a little bit. Interest. I don't think I would go for a beer with her in real life. You wouldn't? Well, I'd go for the goss, but I don't think I'd hang out with her. Like, <laughs> I don't think I'd chuckle. I don't think I'd do a sincere chuckle. Yeah, I would definitely be like, yeah, I don't know how I... Yeah. I th- I mean, that's why she's such an interesting person. Like, I don't think there's... She really is old Hollywood. She has this, like but then has like so many flaws as well, which keeps her in the, like the cultural zeitgeist and people mm-hmm. are, like she's made a career of herself for 40 years, which is so hard for, especially a woman and especially mm-hmm. like for a woman her age where she is now able to bring HBO and yeah, bring the show back, this show that's been off air for 20 odd years. Um, so she still yeah, has that. She's... She still has that gravitas from for forty years. It's amazing. Yeah, she's like been in so many iconic things like Hocus Pocus, um, Sex and the City, First Wife Club, that, that was the First Wife Club. Yeah, <laughs> she's just good. Like I think she's a really good actress, and I think it's a shame that she maybe put herself against the people who are equally as good. Not put herself in front of people who are equally as good. Um, and not like uplifted them yeah I mean actually I'd still go see if I could be in New York right now I'd go and see a Broadway show yeah. I'd put down the cash to go see it and um, I just think it's really interesting I just find her quite interesting on a personal level and yeah like the, the Andy Cohen interviews where he's talking about Kim Patrell you can kind of see her like her expressions are like quite shocked and you can kind of see her like having to resolve these issues that she's obviously been plagued with for so for so long, like all these mm. allegations of her creating feuds and financially be- benefiting herself more than the other women in the show. When the show yeah. is all about uplifting voices of women, um, and like that's obviously exemplified within just like that, yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see her career go forward and now she's on Broadway and how and just like that's gonna and just like that season two is gonna react to the many criticisms fans and critics have had like she obviously really listens to how people mm-hmm. perceive her her whole career yeah, like I think they definitely perceived all the feedback from the initial series. I think they just got it a bit wrong. But I guess it's, like I said, it's just a different time. Like stuff has changed so much. Even since like, 2016, the world has just really shifted. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, do you want to wrap That's up? Okay, and thanks for listening to, and just like, what? Just like, what? What? It was a was it a funny episode? Let us episode? know if just... if this is a if we should keep deep diving <laughs> or if we should just go back to bitching. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that would actually be really good feedback. I'm not sure if people are obsessed with these women as much as we are. I think they are. I, okay, that's fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Bye. Ciao. Ciao, baby. <laughs>